following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know him and make him known. Judy and I have a routine that uh, goes on quite frequently when we travel. And, and, you know, we're traveling down the interstate somewhere, let's say, in Indiana or Kentucky or Tennessee or North Carolina or whatever, and the gas gauge starts to get to that point where you think about buying gas. And we like to find the cheapest gas, right? And nothing wrong with that. So we're cruising along, and let's say the average is everywhere you go, it's like 355, and you're driving along after station after station, 355, 355, 355, and then you see the one, and it's 345. (laughs) Bingo! Man, we pull in, and we're so proud of ourselves, we got gas for 345. So you know what's coming. We fill up, we get back in the car, head down the interstate, one mile down the interstate, there's a gas station, 335. Right? It's just the way life goes. So now the next part of it is also as predictable as possible. I know when we get back on the highway and we keep going past that 335, my lovely wife is going to turn to me and say, we should have waited. (laughs) Right? I love it. We look at each other and we laugh because we know it's, you know, your mind goes that way. But, hey, we didn't know. We didn't know there was a station. And, yes, we have thought many times and said, why don't we get that little gas buddy app for your phone? <laughs> but we're, we never do it. We'd rather play this game, I guess. Uh, but I love it. It's two of the most dangerous words in the English language, I think. The words should have. We should have done this, or we shouldn't have done this, or I wish we would have done this, or I wish we hadn't done this. They're, they're words that always speak to a past event, right? Something that happened, it could be minutes ago, or it could have been decades ago. It, and, and it's always hindsight. And hindsight, of course, is what? 2020. It's always perfect. You can always figure it out. So why do we go there? Why do so many of us even get a few decades down the road and suddenly we start looking in the rearview mirror and we say, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I wish I would have done this. Why do we do that? And, and so often regret accompanies those times when we look back. And I'm sure that doesn't speak to all of you here. I'm sure there are many of you who are are very happy with every decision that you have made in life. Then there's the rest of us. If you got a a Bible with you, grab, grab it and turn to Psalm 18. I think it kind of points out the reason for this uneasiness sometimes about our past and the should haves or the could-haves, or the would-haves that we face. And Psalm 18, I love this psalm. Um, And let's just start reading 
um, verse 31. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory, and your right hand sustains me. Here's the part I love. And, and the NIV says it this way. The early NIV says it this way. And, and you, you, God, stoop down to make me great. And I've always read that, and I've thought, do we ever really stop to think and believe that we're destined, we're created for greatness? Not necessarily greatness as the world might define it, or as we've grown up thinking of greatness, but, but a, a, a quality of life. Jonathan used the word Friday night, remarkable, a remarkable life, and I love that word. Because a remarkable, just take that word apart. Something that's re, that's again, you know, markable. Something that you see and it just stands out above the crowd. And I think that's where God wants us living. I have a hard time reading John 10.10 and, you know, the thief comes to kill and to steal and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have a, have a really nice, mediocre, comfortable life. That's not what he said. He said abundantly. He wants you to have an abundant life. That doesn't mean, you're bang, you know, uh, we're not all millionaires. Um, I've tried identifying as a millionaire and it hasn't worked. It just hasn't worked. But wouldn't it be nice to set a little bit better course in the coming year? Wouldn't it be nice to come to this, this Sunday next year, 12 months from now, and to be able to look back and say, you know, God used me. God used me. God gave me opportunities and and for once in my life, I stepped through the door and did some things that he was calling me to do. Wouldn't it be nice to look back and see a trail of extraordinary, remarkable things done in the name of Jesus Christ and for the kingdom of God? As a church, as families, as individuals, It can happen. But I believe that there are three decisions that we have to make in order for that to happen. And the first decision is this. We have to seek significance, not success. Seek significance, not success. Ephesians chapter 5, a favorite passage of mine. If you want to turn there, Ephesians 
Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, Paul is pointing out really how, what this remarkable life looks like. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make a choice. Make a choice about how you're going to live your life. Uh, every one of us, every day, you know, there's, there's, every day is a fork in the road, really. He says, not as wise, unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I like the older translations that say, making the most of your time. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. These are hard, dark days. And several times in his writings, Paul talks about this. These are dark days. In the end times, don't, don't, you know, don't misunderstand. It's going to get tough. And we are in the end times. Whether those end times last another day or another 2,000 years, these are the end times. Everything is prepared. And it's going to get dark, as we have seen. Those of us who have been around the last 70 years have seen an amazing uh, degeneration of morality and godliness in our society. And if you know your Bible, and I've said this often, you shouldn't be surprised by it, but I am surprised by the speed. He says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And then he says, do this. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's so good. You see, we have been given a precious, precious gift, the gift of time. We can kill it, we can waste it, or we can use it, as Paul says, and make the most of it. We can seek to live that remarkable life. But the key here when we talk about this balance of significance and not success it's about priority. Success isn't a bad thing. Success isn't a bad thing. But it can become your God. It can become your obsession. Matthew 6.33. Most of you know this. But seek what first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first. Set the priority right. The work of God has never been about success, but about significance. And again, let me make it clear. The two are not necessarily exclusive of one another. You can have significance in your life and be very successful, as long as the priorities are in the right order. Let me give you an illustration, and, and I, I loved it, doing the research on this. His name's S. Truett. His name was S. Truett Cathy. He died a couple of years ago. Um, maybe you don't recognize the name, but he started a small restaurant in Hapville, Georgia. 
and it was called the Dwarf Grill. Uh, in our PC era, I don't think you'd get away with a dwarf grill. But he named it that because it was so small. And he and his brother, Ben, uh, started building this restaurant up, and they developed a restaurant, a, a menu and a recipe for a chicken sandwich. And it became very successful and very popular, which meant, you know, the restaurant expanded and it grew, and other restaurants started and so on. And over the last 75 years, it's, oh, it's had moderate success. It's called Chick-fil-A today. It has like 2,700 restaurants worldwide, billions of dollars of income and profit. And in a year of, a, of the COVID, they had record profits. You think, oh, well, it's just good business practices, right? They're closed on Sunday, one of the most profitable days of the year for a restaurant. And of the weekend, but it was a practice that Esther and Kathy started very early in the process. You see, he's a very devout Christian, and he believed in honoring the Sabbath. And he said, the restaurants, every one is closed on Sunday so that workers and staff can worship if they please. Oh, and that's just not all about him. For over 50 years, until he was no longer able to, he taught a Sunday school class, investing his life in the lives of others. And by then, he was a multi, 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 multi-millionaire, as successful as could possi- you could possibly be. But he saw a significance in investing in the lives of a Sunday school class. And not only that, the lives of the people in his company. Many of his executives are guys that he, men and women that he kind of took under his wing and, and raised up through the ranks to become successful executives. He saw significance in what he did. I have a hunch that the money and all the rest didn't mean much to him. Significance first. Success may follow, but if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because your life will matter for Jesus Christ. So we need to seek significance, not success. Secondly, follow your calling, not Popularity. Follow your calling, not popularity. In, uh, you don't need to look. It's just one verse, but write it down if you're taking notes. Galatians 1.10. Paul is kind of chastising the Galatians for their behavior and their beliefs and kind of turning from the gospel. And he says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. So Paul says it's a very clear choice here. One or the other, you can't do both. God will not share the throne of your heart. You can't seek to please God 
If your eyes and ears and heart are set on the approval and the applause of people. The patriarchs, the kings, the prophets, and the apostles understood that their work would bring the temptation to listen to the voices of popularity. And many of them found out the hard way what happened when you turned that direction. We are called to be devoted, disciplined, passionate, determined followers of Christ. And it's a choice that we make, first of all. Joshua said it simply. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a daily choice. Luke 9.23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. What? Once, hey, when I prayed to receive Christ, I took up my cross. That's it. Done. Daily. Daily choice. And you know what? It's also often a difficult choice. Choosing to follow Christ is going to put you in the crosshairs of an angry, hateful world that wants nothing to do with what we believe. If you want great illustrations, look no further than John the Baptist. He, he was gaining a following, and he, he finally said what? Points to Jesus and, hey, there's the Lamb of God. There's the one. He must become greater, and I've got to decrease. I've got to become less. Jesus himself they wanted to make him king. They wanted to put him up on the throne. He was, was going to wipe out the Romans and change the world. And he went to the cross. Popularity is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Follow your calling. Look deep in your heart and, and, and f- find and listen to the voice of God, to what your calling is. Who are you to be? What are you to be doing in the kingdom of God? What were you crafted by the hand of God to do? You have unique gifts and passions. Put them to work in the world around you. And finally, we need to set our stakes in Christ and not the world. Throughout the scripture, we see this caution. Anyone who loves the world, what? does not have the love of God in him. You can't love the world. You can't embrace. You can't set your stakes in the world and say Jesus is Lord at the same time. First century Christians uh, so often face persecution, even death, because they would not say Caesar is Lord. They would only say Jesus is Lord.
Paul said it simply and with the fewest words necessary. In writing to the Philippians, he said, For me, to live is Christ. Is Jesus everything in our lives? Every day we choose where our stakes will be driven. Are we driving them in are we driving them deep into the bedrock of our faith? Do we long daily to know Christ? As, as Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship. Oh, wait, I stopped there. We don't want to stop. We don't want the fellowship of the sufferings, do we? Is your heart each day crying out as as St. Augustine in a, in, in a beautiful little prayer he says come O lord stir up our hearts call us back home i love that so we seek significance and not success we are to call follow our calling not popularity and we are to set our stakes in christ not the world Let me close with this. Um, Friday again, and what a wonderful time we had on Christmas Eve here. Uh, what a, a, a great time of gathering and preparing for Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, and now we're past that, and now we're looking ahead. But I, I, I talked with Jonathan afterwards because I, I really did appreciate the devotion Friday night, and he talked about how, how you start out in life with dreams and, and visions of what your remarkable life is going to look like, right? We, you go to college, and you've got a, what do they call it, a major. That's going to point you in a direction of where your life is going to go. You know, if your major was underwater basket weaving or whatever. That's where your life was gonna, supposed to go. But it didn't work out that way, did it? I was, I, Julie and I were talking about this and said, you know, you, it's all good. You get married. You start a family. You have responsibilities and obligations. And it's good. It's good. Maybe it's not the remarkable life the dream that you had when you were 12 or 14 or 15, it changes. But it's good. Now that is the remarkable life that you are called to live and you are called to invest in. I feel so blessed today. My entire family is over here. I think it's the first time in... <laughs> We, I know this sounds strange, but sometimes I look at it and go, I say, I did that. <laughs> uh, and Jonathan and I share the same experience. I look at my kids now, and they're where I will, they're doing exactly the same thing at their age that I was doing. Working, raising families, running to school events and church events and sports events, being fathers, 
And it's good. It's good. And I, I thank God for the fathers that they are. I thank God as I look around this church for the fathers and mothers and grandparents. Life changed. The original dream doesn't necessarily die in our lives, but it's backburnered. And I was telling Jonathan, I said, you need to go one, I'll take it one generation more. Now being 71 and, and being free of a lot of responsibilities and obligations. And I find some of those old dreams starting to percolate again. It's a new age and a new stage of life and it's, it's all good. And God is in it. I still want to live that remarkable life for Jesus, whatever that means. So just, I didn't know whether to, I should say this or not, but I needed some explanation. You're not going to see Judy and I for a few weeks. We're, we're kind of disappearing here for a little bit. Sort of a, uh, I, I think the Indian, I'm sorry, Native Americans, call it a vision quest. We're just going to kind of get away and, and think about the future and, and do some rest and relaxation. And uh, somebody asked me if I was dying. No. <laughs> the question was fine. It was there was a oh, doggone it. Um, <laughs> nor am I quitting. We will be back. And uh, I only know this with great certainty. Above all other things, life is short. Life is short. Amen? And those of us who are up there in our, man, starting my eighth decade, you realize that life is indeed short. It needs to be lived with a sense of urgency. And I don't mean speed. I mean just pressing importance. Parents right now in the busyness and craziness of your life of raising these kids, I know it gets... Uh, you uh, you want to pull your hair out if you had hair to pull out. But you are doing the most important job in the world right now. You are, you are doing a significant work that God has entrusted to you. So we will move forward as a church this next year. Next week, Jonathan's going to talk kind of a vision, a look at vision ahead. And... Uh, it will be what we do with it. I think it's time to quit. Let's bow and pray. Father, for this precious gift of time you give us, for all that you bless us with, 
for the changes life brings us, whether it's um, as we grow and, and, and we dream and we change those dreams and we chase them and, and they elude us or they evaporate or whatever it may happen. God, as long as we are still seeking you, seeking to live lives that matter for you, it's all good. It's all good. Who knows what the world's going to do this next year? Who knows where the darkness is going to go and how deep it is going to become? But for us in our lives, living remarkable lives doesn't depend, and it, it doesn't depend in any way on what happens out in that world. Father, I thank you and I praise you. I thank you for your son. I thank you for the fact that in the midst of all things, Jesus is indeed Lord. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.